Hello, honey. Happy Thanksgiving. Wish you were here. Love you. Thanksgiving and I was thankful. I was playing music with my friends. I was a little out of tune, but I was singing right on time. Who decides what to pour at the Thanksgiving table? You or the one? Almost always the one. I figured. You don't talk about wine much. No, I'm I'm more the food guy. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense. And, you know, in terms of Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. as you know, E and I don't really do the traditional meals. So we just do something crazy and then grab a couple bottles of our favorite bubbles. (laughs) Yeah, you guys are the boozers and we're the gluts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, so that's exactly why neither one of us should be recommending wines for the Thanksgiving table. Very good point. Here to help us Mm -hmm. is Josh Wesson, Mm -hmm. award-winning former sommelier turned wine drinker advocate. He's all about real wines for real people. And I mean, we're talking less than $20 a bottle for outrageous wines. That's excellent. He founded Best Sellers, which became famous for stocking wine, not by country or by grape, but by actual things that can help you, like soft, juicy, and luscious wines. Mm. Adjectives. Adjectives. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. I'm going to stop talking and let Josh do some talking now. Welcome, Josh. It's good to be here. Taste the final frontier. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? So we've got a lot of people listening, I think, who are really anxious about what wine to serve at Thanksgiving. And I'm just kind of wondering, like, what is it that makes Thanksgiving so tricky? I mean, is it the turkey? Is it the side dishes? Is it everything on one plate? I think at Thanksgiving we tend to... Uh, channel this collective amnesia because, of course, Thanksgiving happens every year. Exactly. Mm -hmm. We know it's going to happen every year. We know exactly when it's going to happen. And we know who's coming to Thanksgiving and what they want to eat. We know what we have to cook, and yet we forget everything about how to cook it. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've forgotten how to roast a turkey. Well, actually, we'll help you roast your turkey if If you you help us pick out what wines. The wines for our turkey. Well, you know, I mean, the angst that you channel in trying to figure out how to cook Brussels sprouts and turkey and stuffing over and over again in this kind of, you know, uh, shared uh, world of of Groundhog Day, (laughs) Mm -hmm. where we wake up and we just have to repeat ourselves over and over again every Thanksgiving. Same thing happens with wine, but, but I'm here. I, I've, I'm holding the, the the gifts from the Temple Mount, you know, and these are not rules that tell you what to have. I'm here to say, forget about worrying, mm-hmm. forget about the anxiety. There should be no anxiety because you can almost do no harm when it comes to serving wine with Thanksgiving dinner. There are some things that are better than other things, and mm-hmm. there are some things that you should avoid, and we'll go over that in due course here, but... The bottom line is you can't do anything terribly wrong because it's not a holiday that demands pointillist precision when it comes to matching. It couldn't Mm -hmm. because think about your Thanksgiving dinner. It's a kaleidoscope of textures and tastes and Mm -hmm. flavors and smells and an even bigger kaleidoscope of of personalities and wants and desires. And and you've got this wild riot of people and, 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 and plates and foods on the table. It would be impossible. Even Boutros, Boutros Ghali himself 
couldn't 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 make peace with all the stuff that's before him. I mean, it really makes you know bringing together the Arabs uh, and and the Israelis a piece of cake compared, right. compared right. to trying to make peace with the stuff that's on Thanksgiving table. So forget it. Know that you can't do that, and nobody wants you to do that. You know the the only things that you really need to remember mm-hmm. are that you should buy copious quantities of wine because Amen. the more you drink, the more amusing your relatives become. <laughs> You know, it's really that simple. And and you need three different kinds of wine. You need a white, mm-hmm. you need a red, mm-hmm. and you need a sparkling oh, wine. Oh, thank God you now, said that. Now, we can talk about the specifics of what kinds of sparkling white and red would go best with the wild array of dishes on the table. But the bottom line is you don't have to hit the bullseye with, uh, with, with, a, with a dart. You're not hitting the... You basically just don't want to hit the bird in the cage next to the dartboard. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you aim and hit any part of it, you're going to be fine. I think I and can And people are going to be okay. So what are the absolute do-nots when it comes to wine at Thanksgiving? Well, um, you know, Thanksgiving foods, no matter how, how different each individual family's table might be, all share some common threads. You're going to have foods that are going to be wildly different in texture. Mm-hmm. Sure. You're going to have some foods that are completely savory. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have some foods that are savory sweet and some that are even pushing the level of sweetness before you ever get to dessert. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to have a lot of fat over the course of the meal, mm-hmm. and you're gonna have a lot of meal over the course of the day. You gotta pace yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and, and since you're gonna have food that's probably gonna be a bit salty somewhere along the way, salty and fatty and lots of it and lots of different kinds of things, from dry to sweet and everything in between, you gotta find wines that can handle that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I basically divide the world of wines into being a rifle shot or a shotgun. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're looking for the shotgun approach, the, the, the broadsword here. Things that can chop down lots of foods, that can handle lots of flavors and textures, and not pose any problems. So you're looking for wines that are going to be modest in alcohol, because if you're going to be drinking all day, mm-hmm. good point. Yes. drinking high alcohol wines, I mean, you don't want to talk to God and it's a local call. <laughs> that's, that's not the way to go. So I generally cap the wines that I serve at Thanksgiving at about 13% alcohol. Mm-hmm. And you can see them on the sides of the bottle. You don't have to know anything. Just read it right there. Um, I, I, I also like wines that don't have a lot of wood or oak. And I love oak in wine. I love oak and white wine. I love oak and red wine. I even like oak in certain champagnes. But what oak does is add a bitter component to wine, which can be pleasing a lot of times. But when you have a riot of flavors and textures, mm-hmm. oftentimes that bitterness can turn around and spank you like a like a, like a cat of nine tails, mm-hmm. or a, it's like a, a scorpion sting. Uh, the bitterness will actually be exaggerated by high salt in food, for mm-hmm. example. Okay. example. And that can be a problem. So I avoid wines that have any significant component of oak, whether they're white or red. So we're talking about wines that are modest in alcohol, Mm -hmm. that you can drink all day, session wines, like people call session beers, modest beers, wines that don't have a lot of oak. And here's the key, Mm -hmm. wines that are going to constantly slap you in the face and wake you up from your food stupor and say, let's eat some more. (laughs) Nice. And, And what kind of wines do that? 
wines that have good acidity, yeah. wines that are mouth-watering, mm-hmm. wines that are palate-cleansing, wines that are juicy, wines that emphasize fruit without being sweet. So you can have this kind of etch-a-sketch to the things that you taste. So you, you have some food, you take a sip of wine, your palate's get, getting cleansed, then you can have some more food. And, and if it's modest in alcohol and it's not too anything, mm-hmm. then, then you're going to be fine. And there are so many wines from all over the wine world that have very little to no oak that are modest in alcohol, that uh, are, are high in acid and very refreshing, that it's not about a specific grape, like, oh, Sauvignon Blanc's the grape to go to, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or Gruner Veltliner's the grape to go to. It's the style of the wine that you want that could gotcha. be made from those grapes. But let's face it, you know, grapes aren't monolithic, so you could get a Sauvignon Blanc that's oaky and high in alcohol, and it could go all kerplooey mm-hmm. with the food that you're having. Yeah. So it's about understanding a little bit of the wine's style Mm-hmm. That will lead you to the promised land of deliciousness. And I will say this: it's a, I, 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 it's great to have a white and a red and a sparkling. A lot of people forget the sparkling. Yeah, we love sparkling, both of us. Because yeah. you know, sparkly wines, by definition, are refreshing. Yeah, absolutely. Sparkly wines, by definition, are palate cleansing and usually high in acid. Mm-hmm. They can be dry, off dry, or sweet, but they're never very alcoholic, because almost all of the world's really good sparkling wines come from cool climates. Because the people that make sparkling wine know that the grapes that come from cool climates have high acid, so they're actually powering those wines with deliciousness. And and I I just if I was on a desert island with you two and you two were cooking and I could only have one bottle float up on shore out of all the whites oh, in the world and all the reds bottle. in the world, it would be a sparkling wine. You know what sparkling? Thank wine you would very be? much. Yeah. It would be a sparkling Shiraz. Mm. from I Australia or a Lambrusco from Emilia yep. Romagna. OMG, those wines, the sparkling red wines, which are an unusual sort of sidebar to sparkling wine because most sparkling wine is white or right. rosé. Yeah. They go beautifully with everything at Thanksgiving. It's just, I mean, I have won over so many. You could, even Scrooges and Mormons would agree <laughs> that sparkling Shiraz or Lambrusco is a viable option of the, if you're only going to have one wine to go with everything. And you could probably pour those all day long. All day long. So the, after that bitch slap of acid with, with some of these wines, when you move to the dessert table, would you bring them right with you or would you try something different? Well, whenever you're serving wine with dessert, mm-hmm. you have to pay attention to the level of sweetness in the dessert mm-hmm. and the level of sweetness or perceived sweetness in the wine. Because like with like, by that I mean similar basic tastes in wines and foods mm-hmm. are actually counterintuitively subtractive they take away from one another right it sounds crazy but if you bite into a piece of chocolate and then you take a sip of port the chocolate will taste less bitter and less sweet after you've had the port because the Mm -hmm. port is a bittersweet drink Mm -hmm. if you have a piece of goat cheese that's tangy and you take a sip of a tangy sauvignon blanc from the loire valley the tang and the goat cheese will disappear the tang and the wine will disappear and they'll both be the better for it but if you serve a dry wine mm-hmm. with a sweet food, the sugar in the sweet food actually pulls the rug out from the fruit in the wine, mm-hmm. and the wine tastes dull and flat. Mm-hmm. So you got to be careful when you're doing that. Now, the great thing about sparkling Shiraz is that they usually have a bit of residual sugar in them. Mm-hmm. So you could actually carry that right through to dessert. But, uh, but if you're going to do it... Um, you know, uh, if you're going to serve dessert and you're going to serve wine, make sure the wine has at least a little bit of what the fancy wine folks call 
residual sugar, which just means leftover sugar from the grapes that weren't fermented into alcohol. You need a little bit of sweet with sweet. If you go dry with sweet, you're really uh, you're, you're you're playing with a, a, a you know a, a stack deck there. Or maybe you just give your cues a guest to wind things up and serve coffee with dessert. You could do that, but I, I like my bubbles. You know that. I love my bubbles. Ooh, I got nothing ooh. against bubbles. I just thought, what? because when you're thinking about dessert at Thanksgiving, there's usually a lot of pie involved. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it doesn't have to be sweet potato pie, but there's pie. Mm-hmm. And who doesn't love pie? But pie can be challenging. And I'll tell you, if you're in that kind of nut pie world, mm-hmm. caramel pie, mm-hmm. uh, sweet potato, pie. pecan pie, the things that you tend to see sure. at Thanksgiving, not necessarily fruit because you're not in the berry season, yeah. maybe apple pie or pear is about as far as you go. I am completely, unbelievably dedicated to drinking slightly sweet to sweet Moscatos, nice. like Moscato yeah. d'Asti, yes. mm-hmm. yes. which is also low in alcohol. Mm-hmm. It's 5% alcohol, one of the lowest in alcohol wines you'll ever find. And believe me, that's what you want to be drinking at the end of a meal. You yeah. don't want to be clock yourself. But if you want to go to sleep and, and, and dream the dreams of, of queens and pharaohs after you've had some pie, uh, go for a Pedro Jimenez, a PX Sherry. It's the thickest, mm-hmm. most unctuous, sweet wine on the planet. It's also high in alcohol. You don't need very much, like a thimbleful or an eyedropper on your, your tongue. And it's just so mind-bendingly good with sweet potato pie and pecan pie. It, it, it defies description. It really is. It's as close to making love as you can while, while wearing trousers. Yeah. And I'm coming over to your house on Thanksgiving to drink some. So what would you bring me? Oh, to your house? Mm-hmm. I bring you. I've already put my case together. I, I have a, a, a rapacious, thirsty family okay. of about thirty people that come over. By the way, my ancestral home is in West Orange, New Jersey. Nobody lives there anymore. <laughs> it's literally like a catering house. If you need a place to throw your Thanksgiving, you could have it after us. Really, <laughs> okay. we, we use it, uh, you know, for for a Passover, for mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, and then for itinerant relatives who come washing over the shores. But uh, but so this is what we're having. I have 30 people over. I have three different sparkling wines. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I do a Prosecco. Mm-hmm. Which I, you should. I do a Cremant d'Alsace nice. Rosé, mm. uh, which I love. It's a Method Champenois-style wine from Alsace. And then I do a sparkling Shiraz. The specific wines that I'm going to be serving, um, a Canela Prosecco de Conigliano Valdobbiadene. D-O-C-G. It's fun to say that because it makes you sound like you speak in Italian, yeah. but I can't. You know, they use this bottle as a sobriety test. If they see your car <laughs> on the autostrada, they don't ask you to touch your finger to your nose. They just ask you to pronounce <laughs> Prosecco di Conigliano Valdo Biadene. Biadene. Okay, you're back in the car. Um, uh, Lucien Albrecht mm-hmm. is a venerable producer of Cremont. They make a Blanc de Blanc. Um, mostly from Riesling with a little bit of Pinot Blanc, but they make a rosé with some Pinot Noir in it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's made like champagne. It tastes like a rosé champagne. It costs 19 bucks. Mm-hmm. The Prosecco, by the way, is $18. So for $19, less than half the price of entry-level champagne, you yeah. can have a mind-blowing glass of bubbles that are just fantastic at Thanksgiving. Crazy good. Sparkling Shiraz, mm-hmm. the Chuk, which is a colloquial expression for a chicken. Mm-hmm. And it's actually made from... Sh- uh, Shiraz that's aged in barrel for two years. Hmm. So it has a, a still red wine quality to it, but it's got these scrubbing bubbles and a little bit of residual sugar. Mm-hmm. And man, oh man, is it good. Wow. You, you have that and a bendy straw, phew, you're done. You're fine. So I do a couple of whites. Uh, I, f- I fell in love this past summer with white wines from the North Fork 
of Long Island. Hmm. I think they've really come into their own. You know, I just, I'm completely enamored of many of them. One of my favorites is from the Pominock Vineyards in Akabog. They make a dry Riesling and a semi-dry Riesling. And these wines, either one would be, if, if you just had to pick one wine to go with Thanksgiving, you could be so happy with either one of these. Then there's another impossible to pronounce wine. Mm-hmm. I love Sauvignon Blancs that come from cool climates. And that can be the Casablanca Valley in Chile. It mm-hmm. can be the Loire Valley in France. It can be somewhere on the Sonoma Coast. This one happens to come from, uh, the, the, from, from just above Cape Town in mm-hmm. South Africa. It's Butenverachting, and it's called Beyond, Beyond Sauvignon Blanc. It's $12, $13, because nobody is chasing these wines. The prices don't get kited up. Right. My God, is this good Sauvignon Blanc. It is just delicious, lip-smacking, patty-whacking. Da-da-da-da, prize. That's what you get with Cracker Jacks. <laughs> right. really Pine Ridge Chenin Blanc Viognier. Pine Ridge is yeah. known for their red wines. Yeah. They make a Chenin Blanc Viognier combo, slam dunk, nothing but net, kisses so sweetness. Lovely. Oh, God. That's another crazy good Thanksgiving wine. I mean, really excellent. excellent. $12, excellent. $13 is nice. This list is fantastic. Uh, I like uh, white wines from Santorini. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, Sigalas makes a wonderful one for about $20 that's crisp and clean and mouthwatering. And it makes you feel like you're just sitting on the beach. And you can hear the water, and yet it's got enough richness that it can handle a lot of things that you'd have at Thanksgiving. I really love it. Love it a lot. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Gruner Veltliner. Mm-hmm. I just came back from Australia. I had some amazing Gruners, but you can't get them here. Mm-hmm. Shockingly, they're, they're growing all sorts of grapes there. Actually, it's not shocking because they're descended from, descended from criminals. They do whatever they want. <laughs> <laughs> Smart criminals. Amen. But the, the Stadelmann uh, Gruner is a wicked good a Gruner for fifteen dollars, wow. and Gruner could be one of your go-to wines for Thanksgiving wines. Uh, there's one rosé that I love. I love. I mean, for Thanksgiving, I love a lot of rosés, but I like rosés that some think they're white, some think they're red. Mm-hmm. I like the ones that think they're red mm-hmm. for Thanksgiving. Uh, so they got to be a little bit richer, richer than Provençal rosés that everybody drinks. Yeah. I like rosés made from Malbec mm-hmm. from yes. Argentina, yes. and the Crios from Susana Balbo, yes. just fantastic. Really, 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 really good. All about 13, 14 bucks. And then a triptych of red wines. Cru Beaujolais, bananas. Mm-hmm. Just great. I'm not talking about Nouveau Beaujolais. Forget that right, stuff. That's, right, that's right. not what you want to drink. No. It's too over the top yeah. at Thanksgiving. Uh, a Beaujolais village is fine, but a Cru Beaujolais, Beaujolais is one of those places in France where you can buy the best of its kind for 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Can't do that in Burgundy, can't do that in Bordeaux, can't do that in Champagne, can't do that anywhere. But in Beaujolais, for $20, you can get top of the pops. And I just had a Chenas uh, from Pacalet, uh, Christophe Pacalet, that uh, just blew my mind. Just a fantastic wine. It's about $20 a bottle. I love uh, uh, wines made from Cabernet Franc from the Loire Valley. Chinon is my, probably my favorite appellation there. Mm-hmm. And Coulet du Toy is a very famous producer there. Uh-huh, yeah. They make an entry-level Chinon for about $15, $16 called La Graviere. And it is just mind-bending with turkey, especially dark meat. If you like dark meat, I'm telling you, Loire Cabernet Franc is absolutely oh, the way to go. The one's going to love that one. Yeah. Well, he loves dark meat. And here's a wine that just blew my mind. I tasted yesterday. Like, you can never get inexpensive Pinot Noir from California. It's like, stay away. If it's under 20 bucks, there's no way that it's going to taste like Pinot Noir. It'll probably taste like Syrah. It may taste like nice red wine, but it's not going to have any varietal character. Mm-hmm. Here's a wine by, made by Ken Rasmussen. Fantastic producer of Pinot Noir. It's called Ramsey. And it's his 2012 Pinot Noir North Coast for $16 a bottle. Oh, it's just groovy. It's so delicious. And for 16 bucks, it really it tastes like a $30 bottle of, of California Pinot Noir. can't argue with groovy. So that's what's going to be in my box when I'm coming over to you. Oh, wow. 
I am gobsmacked. Sir, I am gobsmacked with that list. I want to thank you for that because I think all of our listeners now are going to be running out with this huge shopping list. Josh, really, thank you for all of that information. It's fantastic. Yeah, we're so grateful. Just doing my job. Josh Weston is an award-winning former sommelier, book author, and founder of the retail store Bestsellers, which caters to a clientele who, like us, have discerning tastes but sadly modest means. He's also a consultant for Fairway and also JetBlue. Ray.